This morning there are sermon notes that go with this morning's message. So uh, if you didn't get any sermon notes as you came in, if you'd like to put your hands up, I'm sure that our wonderful hosts will ensure that you get some sermon notes ASAP. Here they come now. So put your hands up nice and tall. Here they come. Look at that. What a well-oiled machine. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit to bring life and freedom and to transform us by the power of your spirit, by the power of your word, and that we can walk uh, into our coming week knowing full well that you are doing something and have done something and will continue to do something in our lives because your presence goes with us, it surrounds us, it fills us, it flows out of us in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This morning I'm going to be continuing with a a series that we've been working on for a little while now. This is part nine of a 272-part series. Actually, I don't know that. That's that's not true. I've got no clue how long it's going to be. So just feeling like I need to continue and and hammer a point home. Uh, The series is called The Resurrection Life. And uh, it's uh, something that I feel that we need to come into a greater understanding of what Jesus has done for us. He's brought us into a point of living a resurrection life, what that looks like, how it feels. I believe that it's something that actually will blow our minds. It's something that's so much better than we could ever think or imagine. God's a God like that. He operates in that realm. You know, he just blows people's minds. Uh, you read the Bible and, you know, it, it would have blown people's minds that there's this dry patch of ground going through a Red Sea, you know. It's uh, just amazing how um, you see just some amazing miracles happening within uh, the, the Bible. It's just a, a great story of, uh, of history and, and how God worked in amazing ways. And that's what I believe that God wants to do in our life, you know, in your life and in my life, that he wants to, to blow our minds sometimes, to blow our mindsets, to, to break off the shackles of limited thinking and restrictive thinking and uh, to step out in faith and to start to see what God wants to do and to believe that God can do so much greater. So that's the journey that we're on. And I've been using the word life, L-I-F-E, to be able to talk about this and most of the messages have come out of the word life and this morning is no different. Uh, So this morning I'm going to be talking about life linked in functioning effectively, L-I-F-E, linked in functioning effectively, linked in functioning effectively and to help us to understand that a little bit better what I want to do is actually break this, this message down into four parts. Those parts are linked in functioning effectively. Those are the points of the message today. And I'm just going to speak into those areas this morning uh, as, as we move forward. Jesus said, uh, and we discovered this last week, he said, come and follow me. He did it for a purpose. He did it because there was a, a function that he was performing and he wanted those disciples to be a part of that purpose that Jesus was about. He wasn't taking them on a sightseeing tour of the Holy Land. He wasn't taking them on a magical mystery tour for the Fab Four. He was there with a purpose and a a mission that he was outworking in his life. There was purpose to the things that he's, he's, he's orchestrating in people's lives. And so for us to be linked in and functioning effectively, we're going to need help to do that. So the first area that we're going to look at is being linked. I believe it's absolutely vital that we are connected into the body of Christ. 
We are connected into the body of Christ. We need to be connected to Christ. If we are a born-again Christian, we're a part of Christ. We need to be a part of Christ. We need to be following Christ. You know, make no mistake about it that Jane and myself and this church, we are following Christ. We are following Jesus, right? No matter where he leads, no matter what he says, we are going to follow what Jesus tells us to do. Because I believe that he is the head of the church. Okay, the head directs where the body's going to go. Okay, the body shouldn't be directing where the head's going to go. That's just weird. Okay, we need to be following where the head directs. So as the head of the church, the body of Christ, then we need to be following Jesus throughout uh, uh, whatever it is that we're doing. If we're wanting to be effective in functioning in life, then we need to be connected to someone who empowers us to do that. He just doesn't tell us to go and do something and then leave us to our own devices. But Jesus tells us that there's a purpose for our life and then he empowers us to actually do that. And that's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't leave us as, as orphans, the Bible says, but we are actually joint heirs and therefore he equips us, he empowers us, he gives us the tools, the gifts, the abilities to be able to do and outwork what God wants us to do in life. And I love that. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is no one who has the power to save us like Jesus does. Jesus is the one that saves us. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. In other words, we've got to be connected to Jesus to be able to function effectively in a resurrection life. We've got to be connected. We've got to be plugged into Jesus to be able to effectively function and outwork the purpose of our lives. Because that's where the commander-in-chief sits. It's not Donald Trump. I don't know if you didn't know that, but, you know, the head of the church is Jesus. Therefore, we've got to do what he says. He's given us this this massive and, and amazing book that we can follow as an an instruction guide for life. If you want to know about relationships, read your Bible. If you want to know about leadership principles, read your Bible. If you want to know about gardening, read your Bible. It's all in here, seriously. Honestly, it's, 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 it's all about knowing where to look for the particular things that are going to help us and empower us in life. No one else can provide that connection that we need apart from Jesus. Following Jesus means being joined with him. It means being linked with him. It means being united with him. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the vine and that Jesus is the vine uh, out of John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. It's all about us being a part of that vine that is Jesus. We have to be connected to the vine. The Father is the one who comes along and snips us along sometimes. We need a bit of pruning. We need a bit of cutting back. You know, we get a wrong attitude. Now, the Father's just going to cut that one straight off. You know, we need to understand that the, the Father loves those who he disciplines. And pruning is a form of discipline. It's as simple as that. You know, I, when we corrected or disciplined our children, it wasn't because I hate them. It was because I loved them and I wanted the best for their lives. Every parent's like that. They want their, the best for their kids, so they bring discipline. It's because out of a heart of love. And that's what the Father does as we are joined with Jesus. There are some things that we've got to relearn. There's some things we've got to unlearn as a result of being in the world for so many years and time. We need to have a new mind, a new shape about what God is doing in, in our lives. 
It says in, uh, in John chapter 1, that in the beginning was the one who is called the Word. The Word was with God and was truly God. Jesus is the Word of God. In John chapter 1 verse 4 it says, The Word was the source of life. And this life brought light to people. To live a resurrection life, then we've got to connect with the source of life. And that source is going to be Jesus. Being connected with Jesus means being linked in, being joined and vitally connected with him. It's like an umbilical cord for a child in the womb. That connection is everything. That connection is everything. There is no growth. There's no health. There's no vitality. There's no life without that umbilical cord working and being plugged in and connected to it. And, and if you want to know the, the truth that Jesus is and the Holy Spirit is our connection, our umbilical cord to God. He's the reason that we can live this resurrection life is because we are connected and getting our nutrients, our sustenance from God. I'm excited this morning. My, my brain is going at about a million miles an hour. My, my mouth is trying, just trying to keep up. Okay, so I'll try and drop the clutch and just let it catch up a bit. <clears throat> so... In life, we need to be connected to God and be connected to bigger people. If we're serious about being linked in and functioning effectively, we need the help of God, but we need to be connected to bigger people. In other words, people that stretch our faith, people that challenge us on mindsets and on ideologies, people that are bigger in influence and scope and capacity. We need to be hanging around those sorts of people so that we can grow into that space as well as they teach us and they lead us and they, there's this anointing that rubs off on us because we are operating under their, their umbrella, as it were. We have this ability to be able to increase our capacity as people as we expose ourselves to uh, the, the leaders that are bigger than us and doing things and gone further in the same realm that, that we're wanting to do those same things as well. We've got to expose ourselves like to, to come under the covering of people like that. It's really important that we do so. They, are, they have new possibilities, new understandings, new wisdom that we may have never thought of. And we need to be plugged into those sorts of people as well. So who are we linked with this morning? Who are you linked with? Are you connected vitally to Jesus this morning? Are you connected vitally to who he is and what he's doing in your life? It's a great challenge. Who, are you, who, who has the greatest capacity to speak into your world? Who, who do you listen to most for advice and wisdom? Is it Jesus? Is it God? Is it the Word of God? Is it the No Idea magazine? Secondly, linked in, functioning effectively, in, in. We're in. We haven't opted out, we've opted in. We're in this, we're in this deal. We've, we've made a decision, there's no ambiguity, we're in. I, I'm in this thing. I, I'm not walking away, I'm in. You can count on me, I'm in. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, and that's the reason for the, the offering... Uh, declaration this morning. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in 
the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you in this morning? Have you made a decision to be in? We are in Christ and Christ is in us. It's no longer us that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's like a sporting team that comes together, you know, just before they, they go out on the, the field to, to the, the field of battle and, and stuff like that. They're, they're just getting a pep talk by, by the coach. He's given their pep talk and then he says, let's bring it in. And everyone brings in their hand and they put their hands one on top of the other and they, they, they bring it in. What are they saying? We're in this. I'm committed to this cause. We're going to win the game. I've got your back. I'm going to back you up. We're going to do whatever is necessary to win this game. We're in. We've got to make that decision. We've got to make that decision. We are in this game or not. You've got to stop going, this week I'm in. No, 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 next week can't. Sorry, I've got another appointment. Can't do that. We're in. Let's get in the game. It's like, you know, at some point we've got to decide if we're going to be a spectator or a participator. But I tell you right now, no spectator will ever lift a trophy. That side's really looking like you. No spectator will ever lift a trophy. I don't know if you've ever realized that. If you're wanting to lift a trophy in life, to win a medal, spectators don't win medals. They just get the specials at the snack shop. That's all they do. But... At some point, we've got to decide, hey, you know what? This Jesus thing, I'm in. This body of Christ thing, I'm in. You can count on me. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do whatever is necessary. You can count on me. I'm in. You going to join me? I'm in. It's where we look around to our family and friends. There's a way of living, guys. There's a saviour, there's a, a life that can live beyond your wildest imagination. How about you come and find out what it takes to get in the game? Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23 to 25 says, I did all this because of the message, Paul says. I didn't want to just talk about it. I'm done talking about this deal. I wanted to be in on it. I wanted to be in on it. I wanted to be running down the sideline saying, pass it to me, kick it to me, kick it to me. I wanted to be doing that. I, I want to take the ball and pass it to the next person. I might not score a goal, but I want you to pass the ball to me so that I can kick it to someone who might sc- score a goal. Did you see that? There's none of this rubbish. He says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one runs. Sorry, one wins. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I love that. I think the Bible's so... Chock full of wisdom and insight and, and inspiration and motivation. It's, it's so full of transformation and every other shin word I can think of right now. 
To run a race means we're in the race. We can only win a race if we're in the race. Philippians 4.13, this is not in your notes, and you need to just make a note in this. Uh, Philippians 4.13 out of the Message Bible says this, and I love this. He says, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in, in the one who makes me who I am. The traditional way of saying that is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I love it this, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through because Jesus is with me. He's the one that created me this way. He's the one that shaped me. He's the one that formed me. He took a slab slab of mud and he created me. Boy, he did some good stuff. I'll tell you what, he shaped an absolute legend. Woo! And I'm doing my bit to lose some of that excess uh, mud. You can laugh, but you guys need to too. Now I'm having fun. Whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. God knows what's coming up ahead. He knows the assignment he's given to us. He knows that there is a function that we need to perform. He knows that there is a way that we can perform that function if we're connected by following and linked in with him and we are in this game. We've decided no matter the hardship, no matter the trials that we may face, no matter the the, the valleys that we might have to go to or the, the, the mountaintops that we're going to ascend to, we are in this because God is with us too. He's going to walk us through this thing. Did you hear? You know, it's, it's whatever and wherever we can make it through. But there's another side to this too. See, just as we made this decision to get in on this deal, have we allowed God into us? Have you allowed God to get to those areas of your heart? Oh, that area of unforgiveness, the area of hurt and woundedness in your soul. Have you said to God, hey God, I need you to fix this. Or have you gone, no, you're not touching that. And you cover up. And you've not allowed him to deal with the issues of your heart. And therefore we find ourselves continually going around the mountain again and again And again, because we don't let him in. Are we letting God in to our lives this morning? Do you wake up each morning and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Do you you wake up and and you just invite Jesus, would you come in this morning and, and just lead me through my day? Would you touch my life as I give myself completely and surrender myself completely? I lay my life, my temptations, my strengths, my weaknesses, my areas of lack and and poverty. I'd give this all to you. Come in, Holy Spirit, and lead me today. Have we made the decision to get in 
on the resurrection life yet? Have we made the decision to live in faith and as a part of the body of Christ? You will never, ever regret a decision about living in Christ. Amen? Third thing, functioning. LinkedIn functioning. The the word function means the kind of action or activity proper to a person, a thing or an institution, the purpose for which something was designed or it was created for. A function, a purpose, a meaning to our lives. God's got got a a meaning and a purpose for every one of us. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. This is not like uh, working for salvation. It's working from salvation. Because I've been saved, I've got a job to do. I've got a function to perform. I've got responsibilities that I need to fulfill because I'm now in Christ. I don't have to work for the salvation. Jesus said that this is a free gift of God. All I've got to do is believe and because of His grace, He gives me salvation. He gives me eternal life. But there's a job that I've got to do. It's my reaction, my response to experiencing the love and the grace of God that I want other people to experience this too. We've been saved for a reason. Every one of us has a function to play, a a part to play in this this thing. Here's a saying I love. It says this. The fact that we've been born is evidence that our purpose in life is necessary. The fact that we have been born, the fact that you've been born is evidence that your purpose is necessary. And here's the deal. This is what I actually believe. If you're still alive, kicking and breathing and eating, then God's not finished. It's not finished. It's not over. There's still more to do. There's still more people to reach. There's still more things that we can do as a part of the body of Christ. We're not here on earth just to survive or go through the motions. My Bible clearly tells me that God wants me to experience a an abundant life, a full life. God wants me to experience that. He wants you to experience that. That's his life. He says in, in Jeremiah, it's a good plan. This plan I've got for your life is a good plan. You know what? If God said that, it's got to be pretty good. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. It's just one body, but there's many things that can happen as a result of that body. That's why we're part of the body of Christ. In verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. In verse 19, it says, How strange a body would be if it had only one part. You'd look like Mikey out of Monsters, Inc. Just an eye. That's it. What can you do? Look, that's it. Here's the thing, we might not like our part of the body that we're serving in, but here's the deal, it's not your choice, it's not, 
not your choice. It's not your decision. It's your discovery. Because this is what the Bible says in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says this, Our bodies have many parts, and God's put each part just where He wants it. You got an issue with the place that you're working in? Take it up. Just take it up. See how far you get. I don't like your chances. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We are the ones that are filled with the light of Christ. We are the ones that have the source of life living within us. And this source of life is the light to mankind. It's the light to us. If you're going into a dark workplace, shine. Just shine. You don't have to say, you don't have to preach, just shine. Just shine. Put a smile on your dial. I'm so glad I'm at work today. You know, I used to work in, in, in Adelaide at the patrol base down there many years ago. And I knew that there's another Christian who's on my team and he was on the other side of the locker room. And I was on this side of the locker room. And we, we, we'd, we'd wind each other up. What did you do on the weekend? And I knew that there were other guys unsaved in the middle of that locker room. And I'd say, what do you do on the weekend? Hey, I'm glad you've asked. I went to church. What? You went to church? What did you do at church? He said, I had the most amazing, t- really had amazing, what happened at church? Like, we'd just wind each other up. We'd just shine. We were messing about. And we'd get some stick for it, I can tell you. But you know what? We just shined. We just shined. We just shined. Maybe God's got you in your workplace. Maybe it's got a toxic culture. Maybe it's just full of backbiting and, and backstabbing and stuff like that. Well, just shine. Just shine. Just before, and, and uh, this is what I used to do. Like, um, I got challenged at my workplace in the, in the communications room. Right? They said to me, uh, people have been complaining about you uh, reading your Bible at your workstation. I said, hey, look, I'm willing to put my Bible away as soon as you tell them to put their No Idea magazine away. (laughs) They might live their life by that. I'm living my life by this. And I think that's unfair of you to say that I have to put my Bible away. (laughs) Suck it up, princess. (laughs) Just shine. Just shine. It might be a toxic, it might be darkness in your workplace. What I've discovered is the greater the darkness, the brighter the light. (laughs) Just try that one day. Close, you know, like all the windows and the doors. See how dark it is. And then just put on the iPhone light or light a candle. I don't know, whatever. Just just check it out. It goes, oh, that's a bit bright. You're watching a movie. There's a really dark scene. And then they cut straight to a bright sky. Whoa, you know. Burn the retinas out. Just, whoa, you could have warned me that was coming. Why was it? Because it was really dark before and the light was really bright because of the darkness that was before. Does that make sense? I can get myself really tongue-tied shortly. Just hang around. It could happen. What has God called us to do? And what will we do when we find out what that is? Are we going to follow God into that place? Are we going to say, I'm in this place for a purpose? This is the role that God has got me in. God's got you in the street with that yapping dog next door and your neighbours for a reason. 
Maybe God just wants you to befriend them. Does your dog need to be taken for a walk? Does your dog need to be taken to be fed to the lions? (laughs) If it was a cat, that would be a fair comment, okay? (laughs) I love you, Zool. Last one, last point. LinkedIn functioning effectively. 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 Say effectively. What a lovely word just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Effectively. Effectively. To fulfill our function, to be effective at doing what God has called us to do in the way that he wants us to do, I'm going to give you a quick tip here, okay? It's impossible to do it on our own. Have you read your Bible? Because the things of God are quite often impossible to do. That's why he wants us to lean on him and to follow him so that we can do it in his strength. We can do it with his anointing. We can do it under his grace, with his strength. Quite often the things that God asks us to do are impossible on our own. But they are totally possible when we lean on God and rely upon him to fill us and to outwork his plans and purposes through us as we lean on him. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, the Passion Translation says this. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past. I love that about you, church. It's fantastic how you do that. I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Continue to allow your new life to manifest through you as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. You thought it was just cold this morning. No, it's the holy presence of God that you're coming into. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to accomplish the good things that you desire to do. There is a power at work within our lives that comes from God. He is putting that revitalizing power within us that's going to help us to create a passion for the things that we do. Who knows that a person with passion will always accomplish what they try to do. They will find a way to succeed. That's why professional athletes, you know, it amazes me that some of the the special forces that you have around the world, the Navy SEALs, the, the Special Air Service, the SAS and so on, all of these guys... If they were to compete in the Olympics or in, in professional sports, they would be at the top like percentage of athletes in the world. Because they just found a way not to quit. Not to quit. At the first sign of trouble, they don't chuck in their gun and say, I've said, okay, I'm sick of playing with that game and do something else. No, they find a reason to continue on. And it might be the person who's standing next to them that they say, I'm not going to quit for. It's why we need to be linked with God and his body. We need God and others around us to help us fulfill our responsibility and function effectively. That's why we need to opt into this resurrection life. That's why we need to know that there is a purpose for our life. And we have to continually allow this resurrection life to be visible, to be apparent, obvious and established in our lives. 
God wants to revitalize us, to put a passion in us to do the things that he's calling us to do. Are we hindering or helping the work of God within us? Are we removing the blockages and the restrictions for God to use us? No one else can empower our lives like God. In John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, listen to this. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. He goes on and says, I'll ask the Father and, I'll, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me and he'll never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you'll know him intimately because he'll make his home in you and will live inside of you. It goes on to say in John 14, verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. That's the sort of help that we can really use. That's the sort of help we need in our lives to actually be effective in our lives. The help of the Holy Spirit. The help of the Spirit of God coming alongside of us. It's that prompting that as you're walking down the street and you see that person who's right before you, they seem to be limping and your heart just aches for them. That's the Spirit of God just saying to you, how about you just intersect that person's life and you just come along and say, you look like you're struggling, do you need a hand? You don't have to go yabba-dabba-do and, and start to just talking to them like, they're, uh, like a person from Mars because I'll think you're a person from Mars when you start doing that anyway. But you know, just going up to them, being real, being, being just practical. The Spirit of God is practical. He's also supernatural and divine, but you know what? He's really practical too. You get an impression. Like uh, I know that I phoned this person this week. I didn't know what was going on in their world. I just had a, a, a just a. Uh, I just wanted to touch base with them. I wanted to let them know that I was thinking of them. I wanted him to know that that I was reaching out to him. I had him on my heart. I've been praying for him that day. I found out later he, was, he needed the help. He needed someone to know that someone was praying for him. It makes a difference. It's practical. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Are you struggling this morning? Do you need comfort? He's a counselor. Do you need wisdom? He's our helper. Do you need help? He's our intercessor. You need someone praying for you? Might as well be the Holy Spirit. Advocate, the one who's just going in to fight for us. Like a a solicitor in a court of law. A strengthener. Do you need strength this morning? The Holy Spirit. Got it covered, man. Being filled with and vitally linked to the person of the Holy Spirit is is crucial for any Christian. He is the power to live the resurrection life. We have access to this power, this person called the Holy Spirit, by being filled with him. One of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was, in Luke 24, 49, says, Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Trouble with us is, this is an instant society that we live in today. We haven't got the time to wait on the person of the Holy Spirit. How sad. Just to make time for the person of the Holy Spirit. If it was important for the disciples to to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how much more for us? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes off on you. To be my witnesses right around wherever you are. Do you know what that word witnesses means? In the original Greek? It comes from the Greek word martyr. Did you know that? Witnesses. To be, if you, the, the, let me read it this way then. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my martyrs telling people everywhere about me. What does that mean? It means we're just going to lay our life down. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's what it means. Sometimes we've got to lay our own agenda down, our own uh, things that we want to do. We've got to lay those things down as though they're dead. I want to do what you're calling me to do, Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is being filled with power for purpose. LinkedIn functioning effectively is living in such a way that we're following Jesus. We've said to ourselves, I'm in, baby. I'm in. I'm into this. We've said that we've got a role to play, a function to fulfill, and we need God's help to do this. Being effective in what we do means yielding our lives to the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. We may have seen snippets of success and influence at times. But as we follow Jesus, as we're continually filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be led to places and to people where we step up into all that God has got planned for us. Joseph, I'm just going to finish with this story. Joseph in the Old Testament was a person with the gift of administration, organization and leadership on his life. And you can read that story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 to 47. See, Joseph saw limited success in his life due in part to the environment that he was in. Joseph used his God-given talents, his gifts, to serve in Potiphar's house and also when he was in prison. He was recognized because of his attitude and his God-given gifts, but his influence was limited by being in Potiphar's house and by the prison that he was in as well. Joseph didn't let Potiphar's wife stop him from serving God. And he didn't let the shackles to stop him from doing what God had called him to do in prison either. Joseph maximized his effectiveness in whatever environment that he found himself in. He used what God had put inside of him to help those around about him. He was faithful with the little that he'd been given and therefore God promoted him. I don't know if you know this, but promotion isn't uh, uh, the choice of your boss. God gives us promotion. In, in Psalm 76, 75, sorry, Psalm 75 verses 67 says, the favor that brings promotion and power doesn't come from anywhere on earth for no one exalts a person but God. It says the true judge of all. He alone determines where favor rests. He anoints for greatness and he brings another to his knees. See, Joseph became effective in his function, because of who he was linked to and using his God-given gift in whatever environment that he was in. It got Joseph noticed. He did the best he could with what he'd been given and it got him noticed. Joseph was released from prison. His shackles came off and God released the fullness of Joseph's gifts over Egypt and the surrounding nations. Joseph had influence over Egypt, but he was also used by God for the salvation of his own family. 
See, when we're linked to God, when we've decided to get in this game and we know that we've got a role to fulfill and we know that God is empowering us, I want you to know something very, very important. When we do the best that we can in the place that God's put us, you need to know that the gifts that God has placed in you will be recognized by the right people at the right time and in the right place. Just keep shining. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just do the best you can with what God has given to you in your life and do it with a good attitude. I don't hear of Joseph bellyaching in the prison. I don't hear of Joseph bellyaching as he's in the pit being sold by his brothers. I'm sure he might have been. I don't know. But it's not recorded here. See, when we follow Jesus and we open up ourselves to those that God brings along our path, we too can be agents of change and be part of something that will change our world. (coughs) Resurrection life is not about us. That's the thing we need to understand. It's about God and his kingdom. It's about God and his kingdom. It's not living with an eye on the here and the now. It's living with an eternal focus. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about living intentionally, focusing eternally, life. Living intentionally, focusing eternally, life. Next Sunday, we have some exciting news about the future of our church. Jane and I will be talking specifically about the journey that God has had us on and this church on. And we hope you don't miss it. We hope you don't miss it. It's an exciting time for us as a church. It's an exciting time for Jane and myself. And we're going to be talking very publicly about that and what that looks like for us in this new season. We're excited about it. We really are. But it's because we're following God. And we are doing whatever we can, the best that we can with what God has given to us to function effectively. God's got a job for us as a church. God's got a role for us to play. God's got a role for Jane and I to play in this new season for this church. We're excited about this church. We're excited about the future of this church. But more importantly, we know that this church is going to grow and increase in size and capacity and influence right throughout this, this, uh, com- this whole community, the Adelaide Hills. Even down in the capital of South Australia, Strathalbyn. This morning... I pray that you've heard my heart. I pray that you've heard the Spirit of God speaking to you. That if we want Him to be functioning effectively, then we've got to be connected in. We've got to opt into what God's got for us. Step up to the plate and do our job. The responsibility and say, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm in this game. I want to lift a trophy for you. I want to see, see you lift a trophy of grace. To be a trophy of grace in someone's life. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we can be effective totally. And see new things happen in and around us. Can we stand this morning? I felt I I wanted to pray for some specific things this morning. Right throughout 
this last week, I said to Jane this morning, I felt like, I felt the word shackles was on my heart. The word shackles, you know, shackles, like handcuffs. That's the only way I can think of old, old life as a copper. Handcuffs, silver bracelets. And I felt like some people here this morning, you feel like you've got shackles just binding you and, and limiting what you can do. And stopping you from being all that God has created you to be. And to do all that God has created you to do. And this morning I felt very strongly that the Spirit of God wants to break the shackles off of you. See, the, the, the demoniac in, in the garden, in the tombs, when Jesus went there, the story was told how this man continually broke the shackles on his own. But what you find there is that he never got freedom on his own. It was only when Jesus said to him, I'm going to set you free. See, we can't set ourselves free from this stuff sometimes. We need God to speak a word into us and to come and to release those shackles from our lives. And I believe that God wants to do that this morning. There are people here this morning, you know, you know, you absolutely know within your heart of hearts that there was more to life than you're experiencing right now. But there's something that you just can't break through on your own. It's just not happening for you. I believe God's going to set that free this morning. I believe that God wants to, to release an anointing of breakthrough, 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 breakthrough in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that that's what God wants to do. He wants to see you walk in freedom and to experience a greater dynamic in life that you never thought possible. Your life is about to go to a whole new level because God wants to break those shackles more than you want them broken. Some of us have made peace with the, the fact that we're never going to get free of this thing. God wants to, to set you free this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people this morning. If you, you want some prayer in that particular area, I just encourage you to come out the front. I want to pray for some people today. I want, I want to see God work in an amazing way this morning. So if you want freedom from shackles, it might be just like old mindsets. You, you need to, to break the shackle of unforgiveness for a, a hurt or an offense that, that happened years ago and you've not been able to find freedom from it today. Give it to God. Let's, say, let's, let's let God release that shackle. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving now. Right now, I thank you that you're releasing people. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Touch people. Release people. Let your spirit come and lead us and guide us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, there's a power in worship. There's a power in worship. In Acts 16, I said it at the start of the service, but I didn't say it very well. There's this area where Paul and Silas are just sitting in the middle of a dungeon. And then they start to sing. And all of the prisons listening to them sing. The whole prison's listening. They're just listening. They may not have known the song. They may not have known the God. They may not have known why they were singing. But that didn't stop God from releasing those men because of the song that Paul and Silas were singing in their adoration and their worship of God. 
You see, you might be just thinking you're singing for your own freedom. No, you're singing for the freedom of the person who's standing alongside of you. You're singing for the, for the freedom of the person who's sitting beside you, behind you and in front of you. That's why we have a corporate time of worship. There's an element of praise and worship that goes beyond our natural comprehension. This morning as we sing, if you want prayer, come out the front. I'd love to pray with you, but we're going to sing. We're going to worship this morning as we close up the service. And I believe that as we do, the earth will quake, your circumstance will be changed, and your shackles will come off in Jesus' name.